This podcast contains discussion about adult topics. Use your judgment if there are little ears around. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by Family Planning Victoria. FPV has been running for over 50 years now. We run a whole lot of education programs for communities and medical professionals across Victoria. We also run sexual health clinics in the city and Box Hill in Melbourne. My name is Anne and I'm part of the FPV schools and community team. We go to schools and run classes for all year levels on bodies, growing up, puberty, sex, reproduction and relationships. This podcast is for parents and carers of school-aged children so we can share what goes on in a relationships and sexuality education class and help support these sorts of conversations at home. This episode is an interview with Navo Zisin, recorded with FPV Health Promotion Coordinator Nat. Navo is an author. They have a book released in 2021 called The Pronoun Lowdown. In it, Navo talks about the experience of being gender diverse. They also give some guidance for those who want to learn more about how to celebrate gender diversity. We are frequently asked about gender diversity in primary school, what it means, what are the ways that people might express gender or being masculine or feminine. In secondary schools, I find that young people are very accepting of the idea that gender is an expression of self, which is fluid and can change. Often it's the adults who are worried about offending or unaware of these different views or ways of talking about gender. Nat is going to ask about Naveau's own experiences of gender and what led them to writing the book, The Pronoun Lowdown. Naveau, thanks so much for chatting to me. Just yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Um, wanted to get a little bit of information from you about your latest book, The Pronoun Lowdown. Um, you do a lot of work in schools and with young people and you obviously speak and write really widely on your personal experiences of gender. What sort of prompted this particular book, The Pronoun Lowdown? Yeah, so The Pronoun Lowdown is a little guidebook on pronouns that came out um, this year, earlier this year of 2021 um, in March. And it's basically a really colourful guide on all things related to pronouns, how to use them, how to support family members, as well as a bit of context and history. So there's like a timeline of 100 years of trans history um, and some standout moments, as well as how other languages around the world are grappling with gender neutrality especially like really heavily gendered languages like Spanish, French, Arabic, Hebrew. Uh, so it's sort of an exploration of um, some theory, some practice, some guide stuff uh, and I guess the reason why I wrote it uh, in part is because I continue to get misgendered a lot after my first book came out. Uh, I still continue to. It turns out writing a book about it doesn't really change the thing so much, but it's structural change that will happen over time, I hope. But, you know, I think these topics can be quite intimidating for people and I think people are afraid to get it wrong and so they just don't try, which means that they inevitably get it wrong every time. Uh, and I'm really passionate about creating resources for people's understanding that are accessible, that are digestible, that aren't too uh, convoluted or academic and make sense and, and come from a very sort of human uh, way of interacting and from storytelling. Um, and I do that, you know, for cis people to understand the world better through trans eyes, but also for 
trans people so that they aren't always expected to be the educators and the advocates. And, um, you know, I had such a distinct experience coming out as trans at 17 years old when no one around me understood what that was. And so not only did I have to grapple with, you know, pretty severe depression and suicidality, and um, I also had to educate everyone around me um, before I even really had the language to. So I definitely write my books and do my work with that 17-year-old in mind. Something about the book that's um, really interesting and also, you know, a lot of what you speak about is recognising that fluidity of gender um, and of sexuality. But I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about how important that idea of fluidity is within gender. I think that there is so much fluidity in the world, (laughs) in our lives, um, throughout our lives, regardless of gender. And I think that as you know, I think people are really afraid of that uncertainty. I think as humans, we try to categorize things. And I also think this like desire to have all of the answers and to know everything um, really stems from toxic masculinity, capitalism, and white supremacy and, and values around, you know, whiteness. And of course, we're, we're not box shaped, you know, like we are so much more expansive than the categories in which we uh, identify. And I get that a lot when people are like, oh, aren't just labels really like limiting? And they certainly can be, but they're also a beautiful way to find community. And, and that's why I use a lot of different labels for myself. And I often say that my identity uh, exists somewhere in the breaths between those words, you know, that I am the amalgamation of all of those labels in a, a hybrid kind of body form. For me, I don't resonate with that born in the wrong body narrative or was a girl became a boy all of that I think the trans community is moving away from that sort of discourse quite a lot and I think it's really um, beautiful to embrace fluidity and constant change because as soon as you write the end of the story you're not allowing for anything else to happen and when it does happen it can be incredibly unsettling you know so when I was like I'm a trans man that's it I'm done. I've come out three times. I'm certain now. And then discovered more aspects of myself, like that door had been shut to me. And so now I really advocate for just keeping the door open. At FPV, we, our schools team, go into, you know, primary and secondary schools and they deliver relationships and sexuality education. And obviously one of the, like, a you know, a really big issue is making sure that that's really inclusive and affirmative for people of all genders and sexualities. What's What are some important factors to consider in the delivery of RSE where trans and gender diverse young people are in a classroom setting? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think that there is a lot to unpack there, especially around sexual education and relationship education. I think that we live in quite a conservative country, even though we like to think of ourselves as progressive. um, And that's very challenging in this arena. We really need to think about what does safety look like for all people, you know, and like is separating genders really the best way to approach stuff in these conversations? Are there other ways to negotiate that that doesn't come at the cost of other people's safety? And also, you know, I think there are so many conversations in these areas from people trying to be the best educators who are like, I just want to be a really good ally. And while that's great, I also would really like us to start asking how we can hire trans people because I think that like we don't need to review our content so much if trans people are writing it (laughs) and if queer people are writing it. And like 
allyship is great, but like we have a 20% unemployment rate and are treated like crap in so many of our workplaces. And I think really valuing trans voices and paying for them and offering opportunities um, is where real action comes from and supporting trans people to go into schools and have those conversations. And I think that would be far more radical than how can we be the best allies we can be? Cause I get those questions all the time and, and it just, it only goes so far, you know? I guess just getting back to like your own um, experiences, which I know you've written, written about a lot, but you were sort of talking before about, you know, these multiple coming, you know, experiences of coming out as a young person like the reactions of the people around you, your family, close people, friends, um, how did that sort of inform and shape or affect how you felt about this process? Yeah, coming out as a lesbian was certainly a very different experience for me than coming out as trans. And I believe that my family and the people around me did the best that they could with what was available to them, you know, like for context, I came out as trans in 2013, which even though it really wasn't a long time ago, as far as kind of socio-political climate, cultural zeitgeist, it's like almost unrecognizable. You know, I didn't have Elliot Page, Laverne Cox, Jonathan Van Ness, Sam Smith, Demi Lovato, you know, like even the fact that I can list off a bunch of those names and listeners would likely know most of those people um, shows how different things are now than what they were then. I didn't have anything. I didn't know that trans men could exist really. I certainly didn't know that non-binary people could exist. I think the only representation I saw ever was Chaz Bono, you know, Sonny and Cher's son. Um, That was it. And I watched, you know, Boys Don't Cry when I was 16, which if you haven't seen it, is a pretty tragic and horrific film with a trans protagonist played by a cisgender woman who ends up sexually assaulted and, and murdered spoiler alert um, yeah it's not yeah it's you know and it's based it's on a true, no and it's based on a true story so for that to be the very first representation I ever had of transness um, and, and trans masculinity at 16 that has a pretty profound psychological impact on someone who is questioning their gender you know my family were bad about my coming out in a lot of ways. And, you know, I've spent many years invalidating that and being like, well, you know, they didn't kick me out of home or they, they're good now. Um, but I still think the psychological impact of that remains and has, you know, put tension on some of those relationships. And uh, they just had nothing to refer to. You know, they thought I was psychologically damaged, that I had self-esteem issues, that you know, like all that sort of stuff. And the awful things that were said to me at the time as well didn't impact me so much because I'd already said those awful things to myself. You know, I was so miserable. And and we know statistically that trans and gender diverse young people are having a really bad time out there. You know, like 48.1% of trans young people have attempted suicide. That's almost one in two, you know, and that's a statistic, but it's also my friends. This conversation around pronouns and trans identity and and trans rights it's not political correctness gone mad it's not a left-wing fad it's not a political agenda it's actually our lives and our well-being and our livelihoods you know like using someone's correct pronouns might be an inconvenience to you um, but it could actually prevent their mental health demise you know and and maybe that sounds dramatic but it's just true I think that pronouns is the next Everest 
uh, after marriage equality. Um, and in the same sense that I think there is a somewhat performativity to it or um, somewhat conservatism to it. Like, I think that there are so many bigger issues that impact trans people. I believe that this is a vehicle to get to those issues. Um, but I don't really think that trans and gender diverse young people would care too much about the pronouns that are being used for them if they're being handed keys to stable housing uh, or secure employment or uh, gender affirming surgeries. You know, like I think there are much bigger fish, fish to fry than using pronouns. I think it's really important, but I don't want that to seem like the final pinnacle for us because it's not. It's also, I mean, people then get complacent because you know it's like oh well I've done this one very small thing that really didn't matter to me like it doesn't affect you know it doesn't affect me in the moment but I've done it and so now I can feel good and move on it's just yeah that's it's not all that's needed in terms of like the trans and gender diverse young people that you're seeing at the moment and speaking to and like you know like what I don't know like what are they saying like what are big issues for them at the moment in their schools and their communities and you know their homes a lot of trans and gender diverse young people. I have a writing group that I run every fortnight for free for a group of us. And um, it's really fun and very wholesome and beautiful. And, you know, I think one of the issues that started the group in the first place was, you know, a trans young person came to me and said, I don't know if I want to be an activist. I don't know if I want to be an advocate. I know I want to be a writer. Where are the trans and gender diverse spaces for me to feel safe in my writing and not just talking about identity all the time or talking about, you know, and so that's why my creative partner and I, um, Alison Evans, started this group because we were like, trans and gender diverse people deserve the same opportunities that everyone else have. They deserve the opportunity to imagine a future for themselves that is beyond just advocacy work. Um, And so I think that's a big thing is like not always wanting to be pigeonholed into that sort of work. I think, you know, having dissonances between their schools their school spaces and their home spaces I think you know through lockdown would have been a particularly traumatic and continues to be a traumatic time for trans people who are either um, closeted or not accepted by their family I mean issues of homelessness still deeply affect trans and gender diverse young people not to mention eating disorders post-traumatic stress disorder um, peer rejection and bullying And, you know, I mean, I think Gen Z for the most part is doing a pretty great job when it comes to gender diversity and being pretty switched on to oppressive structures. But uh, high school is a hard place to be for the most privileged, let alone for those living on the margins. So um, I can't even begin to imagine what that looks like. But at the same time, I have kids coming to me being like, you know, yeah, I've got about four other trans people in my year level. Like we've all like started a WhatsApp group or something like, you know, and I had no one. I didn't know anyone in high school who was trans. The idea that kids can like get off, get on TikTok, get on Instagram, like find content creators who are talking about this stuff and in nuanced ways as well. And I think that's what I really want for them is not to be stagnated by the ignorance of cis people because I find that a lot, you know, like I saw this meme the other day that was like, cis people asking you about your gender i'm i'm non-binary and then it's like trans people asking you about your gender it's like oh you know that meme where this happens and this happens it's just like so much more expansive and fun and exciting and playful and you lose a lot of that if you're only ever associating with cis people who don't understand talking about um trans and gender diverse representation have there been any examples lately in 
I guess, pop culture or media where you were surprised, but in a, like, in a, you know, in an affirming, like, in a nice way? Yeah, there have been a few moments like that. I think, you know, watching the new Sabrina series and then her friend coming out as trans and being played by a trans actor, um, watching the show Good Girls and one of the, the kids is trans, um, watching the OA, you know, there's a trans character in that. And I think, you know, those were shows that were just like Netflix recommended and just like shows I was just watching anyway that turned out to have trans characters. And that's really exciting. And especially like trans mask androgynous or non-binary characters is not something I've seen very much in a more direct way. But um, watching the documentary Disclosure on Netflix with all an all-trans um, sort of cast, that was a lot for me because it was actually deeply nuanced and important and advanced trans discourse and it felt like it was made for me. And, you know, I think when you really feel representation profoundly and, and deeply it's incredibly unsettling and emotional because you haven't seen that before. You haven't seen yourself represented in that way. And um, so I wept through the whole thing and, you know, it just brought up so much of my upbringing and the the films and TV shows that I was exposed to and, and the narratives that I had in my head around transness and how we internalize that stuff. And yeah, so I think there's definitely been more and more. And I, I was pretty stoked when Demi Lovato came out. I, was so excited about it and like watching the conversation that they had with Alok Vagmanon, who I've been following for many years and who I've been on the panel with. Um, it was really beautiful and yeah, it's just exciting. It's like every time we get we get another one in our corner, <laughs> um, it feels it feels hopeful. What's the one thing you could go back and tell young Navor about? I don't know anything like anything. Yeah, well, in the uh, the afterward of my first book, Finding Navarre, I actually wrote a um, party scene that I went to with myself at different ages because I wanted to have those conversations and I had things I wanted to say. I guess it depends what age I am, you know, like I've thought about this lots and I've had lots of these conversations and I've written myself letters at lots of different stages and I have a pretty ongoing I would say dialogue with myself at different ages, because I think, you know, to 16, 17 year old me, I would go back and say, you will never be able to, you would never imagine the kind of life that you have now. Mm. It's everything you ever would have dreamt about. And high school's not forever. It ends uh, and you will get hotter and (laughs) you will, uh, love and be loved and and feel comfortable in your body and feel safe and and feel held and nourished and you will have everything you want I think if I went back to maybe 19 year old me I would say you are more than this you are more than just your trans identity you are capable of more um, and you deserve more than just to be talking about this stuff all the time Uh, and that is the person I'm holding now when I am applying for you know fellowships or grants or things that go beyond just being a spokesperson but are about what kind of career I might want to have on the other side of retelling my trauma yeah (laughs) other stories that I want to tell awesome Nabo where can people listening get more info about you and your books and like 
Yeah, so you can check out my website, which is just my name, Nivozisson uh, com, uh, or you can follow me on Instagram. I post uh, lots of infographics and memes and thirst traps and you know, all the important <laughs> things that you might need. Um, I'm just thinking about all the parents rushing to check out your thirst traps. But... Yeah, great, as they should. I post a lot about parenting stuff, um, you know, whatever, whatever you want. I'm non-binary. I am, you know, multidimensional. There's lots of different things that, that go on there. I have a Facebook page as well. Navoz is an author. You can po- follow me there. Um, and you can find my books in most bookshops um, around, well, the Pronoun Lowdown is available around the world. Finding Navoz is just here. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time for chatting. Yeah, thank you. No worries. Thanks for having Cheers. me. Thank you so much to Nat and Navo for that interview. A few things that really stood out to me in that discussion. Affirming a person's gender identity with pronouns can make a big difference to how a person feels accepted. Many gender diverse people aren't doing so well emotionally. COVID has potentially made this worse if people are living with others who are not accepting. Not all trans people want to be activists or responsible for educating the community. Pronouns are important and perhaps a way of working towards other issues such as safety, inclusion and discrimination. Just mentioning some resources, you can find more information about Navo Zisin and links to workshops and training with Navo. Also see more information about their book, The Pronoun Lowdown. I'll put links to those things in the show notes. We always recommend Minus 18 as the place young, same-sex attracted and gender diverse people and their friends and family can go to to get more support and information. Navo also mentioned the documentary Disclosure about trans representation in film. It's on Netflix. It's really worth a look. For more information about FPV, you can go to fpv.org.au. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. You can contact me directly at doingit at fpv.org.au. Subscribe to the podcast. Like it if you like it. Thank you so much for listening.